Welcome to our third episode of Pillow Talks, a random series of late evening podcast episodes featuring a wide range of personal and professional topics designed as a sharing venue to shed light and provide a unique perspective on everyday topics. The personified messages are meant to teach, inspire, and encourage. We hope that you will enjoy today's topic. Leadership Without Borders, a day in the life as a humanitarian volunteer worker, Operation Hurricane Maria. Leadership Without Borders presents a challenge when there is a lack of preparedness and readiness, as it can at times happen in the midst of disaster situations, giving emotions lack of resources, too many chiefs, and fear of taking a risk. Creating an environment that is absent of trust, being invulnerable, fear of conflict, or artificial harmony, lack of commitment or ambiguity, avoidance of accountability or low standards in attention to results and the status and ego could all take effect in negative ways. As a diversity and inclusion champion, one of my many roles is to coach and find ways to be more inclusive and diverse in all the services I provide, whether in professional settings, consulting, or disaster services, because I was already in PR with my grandmother who was very ill since she has passed and it's away with the Lord. I experienced and lived through both Hurricane Irma and Hurricane Maria. I must say that every phase of each of the disasters, from pre-hurricane to during and post-hurricane, are all very different but equally as alarming and nerve-wracking for a variety of reasons in many different ways. But immediately after getting my dad back to safety, in the U.S. mainland, I was deployed back to Puerto Rico to help out as a disaster volunteer, first responder. And while every disaster has its own multiple and unique stories at this time, I will focus on a brief summary of Hurricane Maria and the leadership involved. The major challenge here was that particular disaster response volunteers were unable to address language and cultural differences. The solution came as a result of weeks of me already being stationed in Puerto Rico and helping in a variety of roles, from assisting in family unification searches, community feedings, translation, sheltering, spiritual relief, mental health, outsourcing, and medical response team coordination, FEMA service support, and providing basic health care aids. I was approached and asked by two national organizations present if I would consider stepping in as a lead and oversee and coach some of the volunteer teams. From the air medical response teams to the land convoys, I assisted and coordinated professional personal services, translations, community response teams, and civilian volunteers 
while spending 12-18 hour days in the field, providing direct services to anyone in need, including our very furry friends. Within the first 24 hours of the directive, I was able to identify, pair up, and prepare teams after assessing their language needs, their language skills, diversity skills, and providing a crash diversity course on cultural sensitivity specific to the immediate location in the areas of health, ministry, and mental health services to effectively equip them for the day-to-day -day disaster response missions. A typical day in the relief response included waking up around 4 a.m., attending morning team meetings in order to plan for the day ahead, perhaps with a cup of coffee at hand, other times with just water. Whatever was available is what we took advantage of. After the meetings, loading up the cars and convoys with satellite phones, radio transmitters, charging stations, water, food, and supplies for the survivors of the hurricane. That also included bug sprays, adult and children diapers, wipes, baby formula, cleaning supplies, hygiene supplies, MREs or otherwise known as military meals, water filters, flashlights, batteries, tarps, children's snack packs, canned goods, band-aids, first aid kits, clothes, doggy trees, and anything else we could get our hands on to distribute. And that could obviously fit in each of the cars. Sometimes there were seven cars, sometimes they were just two, sometimes there were ten. Sometimes we have box trucks with us filled with all the above being able to cover more ground and making less trips back to headquarters to reload. We will then drive from one end of the island to the other end, sometimes from north to south and sometimes from east to west, distributing goods and setting up satellite dishes for individuals to be able to contact their loved ones and be able to charge their electronics. In the areas where cars were not able to cross, we were airlifted and or walked up supplies that will carry inside our backpacks. Some days, the hikes were just a couple of miles away, while other times it was further away. Rain or shine, we would do this back and forth until it was late into the night and or until we ran out of supplies. Sometimes, we will still be out at 10 p.m. using flashlights, trying to conduct family searches and providing family unification services. Sometimes, bearing bad news about ill family members, deceased or unable to locate. The outdoors became our restrooms. Protein bars and Gatorade became our most favorite meals. Mosquitoes and bugs became our everyday pesky pets. But our determination and commitment to serve and help became our number one priority. The results came very rapidly after the creation and delivery of a basic diversity and inclusion overview class for my teams that included important cultural norms 
key phrases in local native language, like my name is, I am with X agency and I'm here to help you. This helped a great deal in unifying the teams, in putting teams at ease while providing them with tangible and valuable skills that at the moment they could use to be effective and productive in the initial moments of response as a disaster first responder. By supervising, guiding, and coaching up the next phase of leaders that will relieve the cohorts that were on the ground and while accompanying the new teams on their daily task and being able to equip them with the necessary tools, we were able to effectively continue our services. In a four weeks time, we were able to close over 675 search and rescue missions as an entire team. Without one another, we could not make this happen. Providing leadership without borders and transcending over language, cultural differences, and divides was what made the difference. Knowledge is power. There were a few lessons learned through this whole experience. To always be prepared and ready to perform tasks in a short time notice that help others grow, develop, and build new skills. To continuously do your very best in all you do, whether it's a paid position or a volunteer one, because you never know who's watching, who you can benefit and affect positively or negatively. It's all about serving people and meeting them where they're at. Giving of yourself in order to help others. To continually look for the possibilities and positiveness in all things because there are always opportunities to work together and model good leadership attributes despite credentials, cultural differences, language barriers, and other environmental circumstances. Remember that together we can take action. Take action if you're listening to this by building your own disaster readiness kits. You can find further information at www.ready.gov. That again is www.ready.gov. Become a volunteer. Get involved locally in your neighborhood, your church, your local shelters, the state. There are many people who can benefit from what you have to give. While you may think that you don't have a lot to give, there is plenty that you have that can benefit someone else. Research indicates that volunteers improve health by strengthening their body, improving their mood, and lessening stress when they get involved. Those who volunteer regularly have a 20% better chance of gaining employment, and 60% of higher managers see the act of volunteerism as a valuable asset when making recruitment decisions, according to a study performed by CareerBuilder. A study by Deloitte found that 61% of millennials who rarely or never volunteer still consider a company's commitment to the community when making a decision on a potential job. A 
and 92% of human resource executives agree that contributing to a not-for-profit can improve on employees' leadership skills. So always remember that when we give, we do get back, perhaps not in monetarily services, but in satisfaction of being able to help others. But also we gain and attain a diverse number of leadership skills that can be of value to us in the future. We must not let poor circumstances stop us from doing remarkable things and leading others. It starts with you and me. Find an opportunity to volunteer today. Well, this is all for today. I hope this information has been helpful. Don't forget to share, applaud, stay tuned for our next episode on Hispanic Heritage Month. We look forward to hearing from you. We are here to help you reach new horizons. Our consulting, training, and coaching services equip you to be the better you and to serve in the best capacity possible. We look forward to connecting with you soon. Until the next time, may God bless you abundantly and may you be the hope to another person and may you be the light in someone's darkness. Until the next time.